Well, Shabbat Shalom and welcome to 2022. Uh, welcome to Shalom Macon. For those of you who are visiting, good to have you guys again. And um, Rabbi is still out, so I'm still filling in. Uh, we're going to have somebody else next week change it up, and then Rabbi will be back. So um, if you'll bear with me one more week, uh, we're going to actually talk a little bit about as a follow-up to what I discussed last week, okay? Last week, if you were here, talked about uh, Hakarat Tatov, about being thankful and specifically um, giving thanks through a series of blessings over our food and how to be thankful in that regard. So keep that in mind as I, I'm going to pull back a little bit and go a different direction, then pull it together here in just a second, okay? So if you listen to Christian radio at all, you've probably heard this song. It's very popular for a good while. Um, it goes like this. I'm just going to read uh, like verse and chorus. Give me rules and I will break them. Show me lines, I will cross them. I need more than a truth to believe. I need a truth that lives, moves, and breathes to sweep me off my feet. It's got to be more like falling in love. Than something to believe in. More like losing my heart than giving my allegiance. Caught up, called out, come take a look at me now. It's like I'm falling, it's like I'm falling in love. The song goes on, but it's the basic premise is the same. And I want to draw your attention to this uh, one part of the song in specific. It's got to be more like falling in love than something to believe in, more than than excuse me, more like losing my heart than giving my allegiance. Today's message is called Falling In, and in parentheses, small print, and out of love, okay? In America, especially in the West, and in America especially, we have this infatuation with romance, okay? And if you don't believe that, see what novels sell the best, Romance novels are out the roof, okay? And nearly every book, every movie, every TV show portrays romance in some way, shape, form, or fashion. And our culture is crazy about it. We love it, okay? And who doesn't like to, to really and be honest? I mean, who doesn't like to see something wonderful happened to t two people that love each other, right? I mean, they finally, you know, push through obstacles, they get together and, and live happily ever after, right? Wrong. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> but um, for all of the obsession with love and romance that our country has, we are sixth in the world in divorce rates. Let that sink in for a minute. We are sixth in the world of divorce rates. And I actually have um, some statistics I'm going to throw up here. Almost 50% of all marriages in the United States will end in divorce or separation, according to this particular source that I got this from. Crazy, huh? Almost 50%. Go ahead. Next one, I believe. In the United States, there are over 2 million marriages per year and almost 3 quarters of a million divorces every year. So we're, we're divorcing almost half the rate that we're marrying in, okay? So that just sort of backs up that statistic. So 
Everyone wants to feel that chemistry when you fall in love, right? If you can remember back, those of us who've been you know, married for a long time or whatever, you can remember back when your eyes met across the hall. You ran through the field with your hair flowing, right? <laughs> and then you tripped and no, <laughs> right? Um, but, you know, there's, that, there's this feeling um, that is almost indescribable and is definitely irreplaceable. The, the, we call it chemistry, right? I mean, the first time that that feeling just takes you and the first time you hold hands or kiss or whatever, the romance, whatever the boundaries um, that have been set there. And, and, of course, that's been taken way too far. But there's this electrifying, you know, feeling that we get, even just thinking about that person or whatever. And, and that's why we're so obsessed, because we've created this emotional bond and we've supposedly found our soulmate. Right. And when we lose these feelings, unfortunately, and that's why I've um, called this falling in and out of love. When we lose those feelings, we say we've fallen out of love or we're not in love anymore or we don't love that person anymore or we don't feel it anymore. And that's a, that's a sad commentary on what we've experienced because this is what happens. Marriages generally last, especially in the West, as long as those feelings do. And then once those feelings you know, dissipate, the marriage starts to get on rocky ground. And this, the author of this song has really um, pushed this same idea and concept within our relationship with God. Okay? Because what the author of the song is saying is that I don't want the hard times, the difficult, the, the things in our, our relationship that require effort. I want the ushy-gushy, and that's what I want to hang on to. But if you've been married longer than a few decades, you know how often there are those ushy-gushies. Are they every single moment of every day? No. But if you have a good marriage, and you've been married decades like I have, I've, I've been married, thank God, 27 and a half years, and it is amazing. And I still have those ushy-gushy feelings, and Sabrina and I have the... Have we, we look at each other and just have an instant connection. But it's because we've pushed through the hard times. It's because we have forced ourselves to do the difficult things, communicated, worked on our relationship, and so forth. And so the truth about this whole concept of romance is that love isn't just a feeling. It's more than a feeling. It's a lot of hard work. It requires discipline and self-denial. But if we work hard on a relationship, those sparks that we first felt when we fell in love can be rekindled, not only as sparks, but as a blazing fire. And so Judaism teaches the concept that words from the heart enter the heart. And that's, why, that's one of the reasons why we are cautious about um, having intimate conversations with the opposite sex. Okay, we are guarded in that, and we don't spend a lot of time 
you know, in that, especially if it's, um, you know, a married man or a married woman with someone else or whatever. Because our heart is the first thing that runs after another person. It's not the physical attraction always. It's a lot of times the heart that causes a man or woman to go astray in the relationship and, and fall into adultery or whatever. But I want to focus this in. I'm, I've got a lot of stuff I'm, I'm pulling together here. But right now I've, I've focused on this concept within marriage. But I want to also focus this on our relationship with Hashem. Focus this on our relationship with one another as a community. Because when people come to Shalom Macon, they're looking for something. They want something more than what they already have. When they, when they find Shalom Macon, most people, um, especially in the last few years, they, they love what they see and they love what they find. Because what do they find? They find love. They find something genuine, something authentic. And we've got a, an extremely wide range of people that attend Shalom Macon. Okay? We've got a lot of different beliefs and practices. And this is what makes Shalom Macon so wonderful. Uh, Rabbi Damien has said, um, this was a, a few years ago when he was teaching, he said a healthy Messianic congregation is one who, whose members run the gamut or basically have a broad spectrum of how they live and practice. Because we're all at different places. We're all growing. We're all doing things. We're all pursuing Hashem. But we're not all clones. We're not robots, Right? And this uh, diversity is a strength of ours, but it can also be a problem if we don't keep it in check. It can also be a stumbling block because what happens is, and I've been in this place many times myself, so what happens is, if you're not like me, then we need to fix it. (laughs) You know? So I've got a list of people I need to talk to after service here. No. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but our, our, what we're trying to do at Shalom Macon is love Hashem first and love others second, right? When those two are working together, we have something beautiful. We have something wonderful. We have something amazing. And so last week, I taught, as I mentioned earlier, on um, being thankful, having gratitude. And I taught you guys, or a lot of you guys, some blessings, Right? To do over food. Now, the problem is that this, this thing that I taught you isn't necessarily scriptural. Okay? It's something that the rabbis have taught and brought down, and we have, many of us have passed it into our lives, and we have taken hold of it, and we apply it because it brings us closer to Hashem. Now, I had a lot of positive feedback. Um, from people in the congregation and people online. And um, I had a really, really special email from one of our online viewers talk, talking about how, you know, we'd inter- I'd introduced some things that they'd never thought about, and it encouraged them to pursue God in a, in a different way, in a better way, and all that kind of stuff. Um, however, I had one person... And, and the reason I'm focusing on one person is because one person always represents more people somewhere. They, they just had the guts to say something. One person that basically said, 
I was having fun until you put a bunch of rules on it and you stole my joy. Okay? Now, I have two options to do with that. One, I can reply, suck it up and deal with it. Or I can say, let's have a conversation and let's talk about it. And let me, let me understand how you feel and why. Because I don't want to, you to feel like I'm trying to shove you something down your throat or trying to make you into what I want you to be. Right? I want to give you information. And if you can use that information to grow your relationship with the Lord, then that's great. If you don't, if it doesn't help you in your relationship, then let's move on and find something else that does. Right? And so fortunately, we had a really good phone conversation this week. And um, it went really well. We're still you know, not 100% understanding. But I wanted to um, talk about this this week because I know there are other people that may have the same feelings, same questions, or whatever. And so, first of all, why would we want to do something that um, these rabbis have, quote, made up? Right? Why would we want to do something like that? Well, let's put it back in the context of marriage. Okay, In a marriage relationship... Why would you want to read a book on marriage? I mean, that's not your marriage that they're talking about. They're talking about other people and examples and all that kind of stuff. They're getting in your business. Why would you want to get marriage counseling? Why would you want to pander to your spouse when you feel that they're being selfish? And why in the world would you ever want to apologize when you're right? (laughs) You know? Um, but it's all about relationship, right? And so we go out of the way. We do extra things that, if we know that's going to enhance our relationship and build intimacy between us and our spouse. And so the reason we do the things that we do, and especially if they involve anything rabbinic or whatever, is this simple factor right here. I want you to put that slide up with the bracelet W, in our case, Y, D, right? What would Yeshua do? Everything that we do is centered around discipleship. Okay? We want to imitate our master, Yeshua. <clears throat> I wrote a book several years ago called The Four Responsibilities of a Disciple. And I outlined the four responsibilities of a disciple, which include devotion, memorization, imitation, and replication. If you guys, any of you guys were here a long time ago, I know the Hazens were, um, Mr. Gene Larson, I don't know if you were there at the, the particular thing, but um, some the people who have been around longer uh, know that I did a, a, a seminar here on this. And um, this is a huge thing. We, as disciples of Yeshua, we wanted to be devoted, we want to know His words, His teachings, we want to imitate His actions, and we want to raise up other disciples for Him. Okay? These are the things that the early disciples would have been focused on. Um, they, they probably didn't have this list, of course, but they had it built into them because they were being taught this, fed this, this had been poured into them. This is what they do to serve their rabbi. Okay? And I want to focus on this one, imitation. Our responsibility is to imitate Yeshua. And last week, you know, that was my goal. It was Yeshua um, most likely would have done these blessings. He would have known these blessings. And as a matter of fact, and I shared with this person, there's a, um, there's a book by a Rabbi David Zazlow 
It's called Jesus, First Century Rabbi. I believe that's the name of the, the book. And um, David Zaslow is not a follower of Yeshua. Okay, just let that be out there. But he has done a lot of studies on Yeshua and interfaith dialogue and all that kind of stuff. And he has a quote in his book. He says, I, I, the first time I read um, the passage, and I forget which one, there's several, but the passage I think is in Matthew, maybe 12, that Yeshua takes the bread and he blesses the Lord for it and then distributes it, right? He said, the first time I read that, he said, I thought it was very ironic that me, as a person who doesn't follow Yeshua, probably knew what the blessing Yeshua was saying, even though his followers don't. Let that sink in. His followers don't even know what he was saying, the blessing he was saying. But yet me, this particular man, I'm not one of his followers, and I say the same blessings. And so that really struck home several years ago when I read that. And so with this, it led, I wouldn't say that particular thing, but it enforced my desire to learn the blessings and know the blessings and and be able to bless the Lord specifically in different contexts, okay? And so, you know, when this person I was talking to, you know, said that, I sucked the the joy out of following the Lord. Uh, It was because I had put a bunch of rules in there. Okay, and this goes back to our song. Okay, it's got to be more like falling in love than something to believe in. It's got to be more like losing my heart than giving my allegiance. Because give me the rules, I'll break them, show me the lines, I'll cross them. I need something more than just to believe or to follow rules. Um, And so... This is a struggle, and it's a real struggle. Okay, it's a struggle for all of us in some capacity. For years, my wife, Sabrina, you guys know my wife. Um, for years, in our relationship, she would ask the question. She would read the apostolic scriptures or the New Testament, and she would read something Paul would say or whatever, or she would say, and and she goes, "Okay, you've given me this broad commandment, this broad instruction. How do I do that?" You know, it's just so vague, so broad, so generalized. And so I don't know how to, how to practically do that, you know. How do I do that? Um, and so Judaism, specifically Messianic Judaism, was the thing that helped her understand the how of following Yeshua's and apostles' instructions. Um, for example, Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God and Messiah Yeshua for you. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God and Messiah Yeshua for you. Now, how do we do that? I mean, we just go around, thank you God, thank you God, thank you God, thank you God, thank you God. Thank you. I mean, just be a repetitive mantra that we, that we go through the day saying. Um, you know, the rabbis say something similar. They say, make it a goal to say a hundred or more blessings per day. Bless Hashem for a hundred things or more every day. And you're thinking, oh my goodness. I mean, the first thing that, that goes through people's mind that aren't, aren't connected to the, to the liturgy as much, say, you know, think probably is, oh my goodness, how in the world am I supposed to do that? That's, that's like overwhelm, right? Um, but... 
just saying the morning blessings, you got a lot uncovered. Just saying the morning prayers, right? Uh, and then you thank Hashem for your various foods, because I know you guys are eating more than one meal a day. Um, you probably, you know, 20 or 30 blessings right there. So I'm joking. Um, <laughs> and so this becomes a, a thing that we are able to thank Hashem for every event that happens in our lives. And also, if you, if you have a Siddur, you can turn the place between um, the Chakrit prayers, the morning prayers, and the afternoon prayers. Generally, it's, it's right before the afternoon prayers. And it's for various blessings. It gives you a list of different things for blessings for different things. And one of them is like seeing a rainbow. And one of them is like, you know, um, hearing thunder. Uh, one of them is... Uh, uh, being somewhere where a, a great deliverance has happened, or seeing so many Jews together, or scholars that that represent Hashem, you know, in certain ways, um, just various things. Uh, seeing odd people, odd-looking people, seeing beautiful people, everything, because Hashem is in everything, right? And it's Him. That has created every one of us and everything that we experience in life. So why shouldn't he get the blessing for that? Okay? Um, and so for us, my wife um, especially, those were beautiful things to know because now we could say thank you for and then be specific on how to do that. There's even a blessing, I think I mentioned it last week, for bad news or hearing the death of somebody. Um, and so back to the marriage um, analogy. There are many couples who are in love and having fun until the wife gets pregnant. Then responsibility kicks in. And unfortunately, in many cases, the man leaves. And why is that? Because with love comes responsibility. And if you're not ready for that, you're going to bail. This is why so many couples are waiting longer and longer to have children. They can't bear the responsibility to be life bearers. So, let's connect it back to this other. If, what am I saying? Am I saying that if we love Hashem, we have to follow all the rabbinic rules? No, that's not at all what I'm saying. But why not consider their advice when they're designed to help us be responsible in our relationship with God more than we have previously? And help us to love Him more intimately more specifically. So our relationship with Hashem comes with rules and responsibilities. I don't know if you guys knew that. But it's just that most of us weren't taught that that's the case when we entered into that that relationship. Just like, oh, let's fall in love and see what happens. And that's what happens most of the time when we come to the Lord. It's just that initial falling in love. But Deuteronomy 10, verses 12 and 13 says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I'm commanding you today for your good. Man, he has to be a party pooper, a big wet blanket. That's a lot of responsibility. You've got to fear Him. You've got to walk in His ways. You've got to love Him. Bummer. You've got to serve Him with all your heart. With all your soul, my goodness. you got to keep His commandments and His statutes. A lot of stuff going on there. Man, God is such a legalist. <laughs> but in this, you see how that can be misinterpreted, right? You can see the problem that some people can have. 
And that, unfortunately, that's a lot of what uh, followers of Yeshua, that's how they read that. Um, because they look at it, that's the old way. God demanded and demanded and demanded. And now he doesn't. Now we just love. And we have peace signs all over our vans. And that's it. Okay. But I want to I challenge you that it, this right here, we can read the same passage and have different perspectives. Okay, Perspective is a weird thing. Because the information doesn't change, it's just the way we view it. So I want to let you guys look at this picture. What do you see? First thing, first thing, the black. What is that? A vase. Does anybody see anything else? There you go. Okay, this is called Reuben's vase. It is a thing, psychology and stuff. But it's, it's, uh, you see the, the contrast. In the black in the middle, you see the vase. That's what most people see. But if you look at the white, you see two people that are face to face. Did the picture change? No. Just your perspective. Okay? And this is what happens a lot when we start digging into the Word of God. This is what happens when we start studying. This is what happens when we find out more intimately about Yeshua, about Paul, and so forth. Um, and we start studying from a Jewish perspective. You know, one person sees life in the commandments, one person sees death. Messianic Judaism chooses to adopt the perspective that Hashem wants His people to have. Instead of thinking, oh man, I've got to, our perspective is, oh man, I get to. <coughs> right? Um, here's an example on perspective I love writing. My wife doesn't. I get a thrill out of writing books. I've written, I've written and published seven to date. I've got about three or four more in the works. Um, hundreds of thousands of words and so forth. To me, that's a thrill. To Sabrina, it's like, oh my goodness. Don't. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do that if you put a gun to my head. Right? And some people are like that. Um, but it's just because we have different perspectives on it. It doesn't mean one is right and one is wrong. It's our perspective. I have a friend that, um, uh, Eric, he's watching today. I'm good to have you, Mr. Lemon, with us in the, in the Lemon family in Arkansas. Um, he gave me an example of, um, you know, he owns a bike shop, a bicycle shop in Conway. He's uh, owned it since about uh, 20, uh, 2001, I believe, 2002. And um, anyway, he is a cyclist, and he is a, an Ironman and all that kind of stuff. He's a beast. And, but he gets into everything, you know, wholeheartedly and all the cycle stuff. And so when people come into his shop, he can approach them as one, one or two ways. He can approach them and say, hey, you know, you're thinking about getting into cycling? Okay, have you thought about your lactate threshold? Have you thought about power meter, meter rings? Have you thought about, you know, going to all these terminology that's just going to freak people out. Um, or he can say, so what's your goal? You know, what, why do you want to ride? And then talk to them on their level and find out where they are and where they're headed. And he makes, you know, better relationships, better sales, and all that kind of stuff when he tries to meet them where they are instead of pushing how much he knows or, you know, trying to get them at a level that they're not ready for. Um, 
So back to the, the blessings, you know, there's, there's still the perspective, why do we have to make it so complicated? And um, there's, a, there's a couple of things to that. And I thought one example was, I'm going to pick on you, Ethan. What kind of games? I know Ethan's a big board game guy. Do you like games that are very simple or complicated? Both, okay. Now, people find that. It's like, wait a minute. Complicated versus simple? Why wouldn't you want simple? Or, or vice versa, you know? Both games have merit. Both games have value. But sometimes you find, for some reason, a simple game will occupy you and entertain you like nothing else. But sometimes you want something really involved and complicated because it gets drawn out and you get to do all this kind of stuff and, and it really makes it where you, you're all in, right? And we had a great time over at the Reagans last night playing some fun games and hanging out with them for Shabbat. And, so, and they introduced us to a, a, a new game and stuff. So we had a good time. And so games are perspective. So my question of this is this. So with that in mind, what do you think the greatest, the, the best-selling game of all time is? Monopoly. Okay, he said Monopoly. What else? Uno. Uno. Sure. Chess. Is chess a simple game? I mean, it's, they say it's a, you know, simple to learn. I mean, it's a little complicated, but simple to learn, but it takes a lifetime to master. Yeah. Right? And I think that's really a good analogy for Messianic Judaism. Because there's very easy to come in on the front side. But there's a lifetime of learning. There's a lifetime of to, to dig in and to learn how every way, every aspect, every little thing, every little nugget that we can and how to apply them. And as I said last week, this is the thing about uh, Judaism and Christianity. Christianity is primarily based on dogma and belief, where Judaism is based on practice. And Messianic Judaism is the marriage of those two. Okay, And Shalom Macon, we practice... Messianic Judaism, which means we follow Torah. Now, if you didn't know, Torah involves 613 commandments. Now, they're all not all still applicable at this point because of various reasons, uh, the temple uh, being destroyed and so forth. Um, <clears throat> but we try to apply the, the, the passages, the commandments that apply to us. We also hold to the apostolic scriptures. How many commandments are in the apostolic scriptures? Just two? Somebody counted them once. They're over a thousand. Okay? So if you thought the Torah was rough, woo! Okay, over a thousand commandments in the New Testament, but they're, they're, they're deeper in a, in a certain level because they go straight to the heart, whereas the Torah, it was focused, and it still is, focused on how and the practical side of things. And now the, the apostolic scriptures primarily are let's get to the reason behind these and why we do these, and let's make sure we do them with the proper attitude, proper heart. And then, being a Messianic congregation, we learn from the rabbis. You know, we study Midrash, Mishnah, Talmud. Oh my. <laughs> and so, wherever you are on the spectrum, wherever you are on the journey, my advice to what you can do and what, where, what, where you need to be 
and what you need to take a hold of and, and all that kind of stuff is just do a chicken. I was going to put a, a picture up here, a goofy picture of a chicken, but I couldn't find a good one. Just do a chicken. What do I mean by that? Do what you can do, right? Do what you can do. Do what you're able to do. Now, the caveat is laziness is not an out, but it's feasibility and what is meaningful and draws you closer. If it doesn't draw you closer, if it's a problem, if it's a stumbling block, then no, don't do it. But if it's simply because, oh, I don't feel like it, then that's really not a, a, an excuse, right? So the Didache, you guys have heard us teach on that. We did a whole seminar on that a couple years back. It says, uh, for your, if you are able to bear the whole yoke of the Lord, you shall be perfect. But if you're not able to, do what you are able. And that's the key. Do what you're able. Because there are some of us that are able to do things that others can't. I used to work from my home, uh, for myself and work from home. So I had a lot of time that I could manage more you know, of my own volition rather than being at work and, and having my time managed by somebody else, right? So I could do longer prayers, and I could do this and, and do that. Um, and, but when I went to work for someone else, my time is at a premium, so I have to decide what I'm going to do and what I'm going to not and so forth. And so we have choices. But the thing about it is we want to make sure everything is done in love. Okay. Um, lastly... A large majority of Christianity is focused on salvation. In other words, the wedding, the romance at the beginning. Sermons are, in most evangelical churches, are salvation-related in some way. And they usually conclude with a call to salvation. Um, And hardly anyone is focused on how to make a happier, more fulfilling marriage in the context of discipleship. This is the analogy here. But at Shalom Macon, we've gotten some slack over not being salvation focused. We've got some kickback, some, some criticism for that. But this is because we're primary focused, primarily focused on making disciples rather than converts. Our job is to help you have a happier, more fulfilled marriage in your relationship with Yeshua. With Hashem. And the problem is, we can only lead the horse to water, so to speak, right? It's up to you to drink. And you guys are not horses, that's just the analogy everybody knows. Uh, but a horse, is of course, is a horse, of course. Um, <clears throat> everybody that is, but Dave, we'll leave that out there. No. Um, but um, the Rebbe said it this way He says, I can only give you the match or the candle in, in circumstances. It's up to you to light the candle. Right? And so the question is, are we trying to make you Jewish? No. I'm not Jewish myself. I don't pretend to be Jewish. I do a lot of Jewish things. But that's because my rabbi is. Am I trying to make you like me? Don't answer that. No, I'm joking. No. No. Is Rabbi trying to make you like him? No. However, we will continue trying to make you like Yeshua. And if that happens to look a little Jewish, 
or at times it looks a little bit like Rabbi Damien, or at times it looks like me, or, or Lance, or Dave, or, or whoever is leading, that's okay. Because as long as we're chasing after this Jewish rabbi named Yeshua, we'll be okay. Yeah, we want to help you fall in love, but more importantly, we want to help you stay in love with your first love. As Tina Turner would say it, (laughs) what's love got to do with it? And the answer comes from Forrest Gump. Love is as love does. (laughs) So, go live a life of love, however that looks for you. Amen. Amen. Shabbat Shalom.